becomes a, a wonderful opportunity for missions first to adorn the gospel of Christ as we meet pressing needs of internationals and then have opportunities then to share the gospel with them. It's a great field, a great field. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Pastor Aaron Burke, who has served on our pastoral staff since 2016. You know, like all of Faith's pastors, Aaron wears a lot of hats, and I'm very thankful for our pastoral staff. I'm thankful for our, their families. I'm thankful for our deacons. It's just breathtaking sometimes when you sit back and think about all the different ways that men and women serve around here, and I'm very privileged to serve with them. Aaron oversees our international student ministry at Purdue, and we're so thankful for Purdue University and for the privilege of being located right here in the same town with them. Aaron also oversees a lot of our missions activities here at Faith Church, and so when you think about the Great Commission, Aaron is right in the center of much of what we're trying to do with the accomplishment of the Great Commission, but he's also a trained biblical counselor. And so I've asked Aaron to talk with us about the relationship between biblical counseling principles and international student ministry, and also biblical counseling principles and worldwide missions. And it gets back to something that we say so often on this podcast, that there's a difference between a church having a counseling center, and being a counseling center. And we recognize that some churches are still thinking through the whole issue of, should we have a biblical counseling center? What should that look like? Who should do it? And then should we also provide training for our people in biblical counseling? Should we offer counseling services to people in the community? So I understand there are plenty of churches that are still wrestling with the, do we even want to have a counseling center thing? But there's others who have been able to get to that place because they believed it was a biblical value in their churches, but they're also now trying to connect logically these principles on which biblical counseling is based, the sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification, and let that penetrate and and permeate other facets of local church ministry. So that's the point of this podcast, and it's the point of our conversation today. How do you connect biblical counseling principles and values with international ministry, with foreign missions. And Aaron's done a lot of thinking about that, done a lot of work on that. I'm really glad to hear from him today. So Aaron, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor. I think our listeners would be helped just by learning, first of all, how did you become interested in pastoral ministry? That's a great story of God's grace. You know, nobody in my family was a pastor. I wasn't uh, originally planning to go into pastoral ministry. Grow up in Southern California, came over to Purdue University for my undergraduate, and my background was in accounting and finance at that time. But it was in 2012, my junior year, 
being involved at Faith Church, being my home church in college. I was serving very actively in the college ministry, discipling men, leading Bible studies, leading, helping on our worship team on Friday nights for our fellowship time as a student fellowship. And through that, just the desire for God's Word began to grow. I began to see God's Word impacting areas of struggle in my own life, and the counseling ministry here was helping me grow in my personal walk with the Lord. And as I continued just to minister and to serve in the church, just this greater and greater desire began to kindle within me, just a, a love for the church, a love to serve God's people. And I remember going to Caterpillar in town, going to work, and at the end of the day, what I got most excited about was thinking about all the people who were I was ministering to during the week, thinking about the opportunities I had to serve that week in the church. And as I continue to work in those places of employment, that desire for the ministry of the Word just continued to grow. And then eventually just seeing the faith church pastors, their testimonies, many of them coming from, again, a background first in industry and then moving toward pastoral ministry was an encouragement and a testimony that God used in my own life. And then just the spiritual investment, you know, our church has a pastoral intern program, Faith Bible Seminary, and there are many men who are discipled me in my college ministry, and I think that also encouraged me to seek out pastoral ministry. Hmm. You know, it's amazing how many of our pastoral staff members today have a similar testimony that they were not planning on becoming pastors when they were in high school, but they got involved in ministry to people while they were in college pursuing a different major, but they weren't sitting around waiting for some thunderbolt from heaven, hey, be a pastor. They got involved just doing discipleship, being a godly Christian, and the more they served and found delight in serving and making a difference in the lives of people, that's often then what the Lord used to kindle a desire for pastoral ministry. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Again, we see just as many times men are serving faithfully in the local church, that God works in and through the local church to kindle that desire, and then that church also affirms that desire and that character, and that's what I saw at Faith Church as well. Well, and that's a good point. You know, you think about 1 Timothy 3, 1, if a man desires the office of a pastor, he desires a good thing. I do think the ministry call begins with a subjective desire that God gives you, and we often say, and certainly many others have said, if you can be happy and satisfied working in something else, you probably ought to do that. But if God's given you a desire to serve the Lord full-time, then you ought to submit that desire to the local church. So it stops being subjective at that point. It stops being individual at that point. And you're submitting yourself to the local church to ask your brothers and sisters to help affirm the call. So to affirm your character qualifications, to affirm your giftedness, to affirm whether or not you meet the biblical qualifications for local church ministry, and then to begin receiving some kind of training in order to make that happen. And you know, it's amazing that even for those who would say, well, I don't know that God has called me to be a pastor, it still is amazing how joyful local church ministry can be, seeing a difference in the lives of people. And we have quite a few men and women in our church as laypersons who are having such an effective ministry in the lives of people, I wouldn't trade them for another pastoral staff member. And I certainly don't say that to in any way be demeaning toward our pastoral staff members. I'm just saying that this kind of ministry of seeing God help us change and then being in a position to perhaps help somebody else change, that is exciting and fulfilling mm -hmm. work, isn't Amen. it? Amen. So how did you receive training in biblical counseling? It's one thing to be serving in a local church, and praise God for that. But 
at some point you have to receive some kind of formal training. So how did that happen? Yeah, that uh, happened through a faith church, faith biblical counseling ministry. I was certified through NANC back in 2014, now known as Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC. And I really took the 11-week Monday training that happens at Faith Church, where you get to not only receive the foundations of what we call our track one, our foundations of biblical counseling training. So you have that in the morning, and then in the afternoons, you get to sit in and live counseling training. That was just incredible to see God's Word opened to people who are hurting, who are struggling, who are looking for hope and answers from God's Word, and to watch just the Spirit use His Word through His people to help people to grow and change, to become more like Christ. And just getting to sit in, I'd never seen that ever in my life, to be able to sit in with a brother or sister opening God's Word like that and modeling how we minister the God's Word to hurting people. And so that is just a profound influence on just my view of the Scriptures and how powerful it is the joy of getting to be participating in what God is doing in the lives of people and the thought of, I could see myself doing this Mm. as a college student, just thinking, wow, I could do this this week over coffee with a college student. I could do this in my Bible study. You know, when we have our accountability time and I'm talking with a guy alone, I just begin to see just how applicable this training was for my life. And at that point, I wasn't even thinking about being a pastor yet. I was just wanting to grow and ministering God's word to people. But I thought, man, I want to get this training while I'm in college. Otherwise, this is going to be a missed opportunity for stewardship for the rest of my life as a Mm -hmm. follower of Christ. And so that 11-week training was just very informative for me. And then I took our biblical counseling training conference that happens in February. I went through a track five, which basically prepares you for the certification as a biblical counselor. And I found that to be immensely helpful. Again, as I was growing in my faith, but I did not come from a heavy Bible background of theology. That was a very helpful exam to help me grow just in theological training Mm -hmm. and practical ministry of the Word that I really did not get afforded in my education in my undergraduate. Well, and I think that too speaks to the importance of seeking out biblical counseling training. And thank the Lord there's so many places now that are offering that kind of training. But as you mentioned, for anyone who's interested in coming to our one-week training program in February. That's all available on our website at faithlafayette.org. You can navigate around and find out more information about that conference. It's the delight. We often have nearly 2,000 people who come from most of the states in the United States and even some foreign countries. It's a delight to come together, and there's seven different tracks of training. So if you're interested in that, I would encourage you to check that out or to receive biblical counseling training somewhere. And I love the fact that you, as a college student, thought it wasn't a growing confidence in oneself, but a growing confidence in the Word of God, a growing confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit, where even as a college student, if you would learn biblical counseling principles, you would be able to use that in your discipling work with other college students. Amen. Well, and and then you had the opportunity to go to seminary. That had to be a dramatic change (laughs) in focus to go from an accounting background and interest to, hey, I'm going to train for three years to become a pastor. Tell me about that. Yes, I remember having the conversation with my soon-to-be wife as we were engaged. I had finished up 
an internship at Ernst & Young in Indianapolis and had a full-time offer after school. And at this point, uh, I had just this desire that I said, I, I don't want to do anything else, but mm-hmm. at least pursue pastoral ministry and to be evaluated if this is something that the Lord would desire of me and that the church would affirm. I just remember talking with my wife, tears up, and saying, what do you think about me being a pastor, mm-hmm. you know, and pursuing pastoral ministry? She was very supportive of that decision. I remember, you know, telling the HR department, uh, yeah, I'm turning down this job. And they, they asked me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to train for pastoral ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and just that sort of the deer in the headlights look, you know, from their perspective of, you know, why would you give up working for one of these big four companies and to go back to school? But it was a delight. And so I chose, you know, Faith Bible Seminary. One, it was my home church. It was in the context of the local church. I wanted a training program where I would get a lot of time serving in the local church. What better opportunity than to be able to serve the very people that had invested in me? And then also the mentoring opportunities to be able to shadow and to be under a pastor who's in pastoral ministry with years of experience like yourself and Pastor Oakwin and Pastor Green. I knew that just from a spiritual growth and godliness perspective that that was invaluable to have men who are in pastoral ministry training me in pastoral ministry. Then, you know, Faith Bible Seminary just has, a, you know, the original languages. I really enjoyed growing and just my understanding of the scriptures. My love for the Word grew. There was just some very practical classes related to pastoral ministry that I found very desirable as well, such as a huge emphasis on counseling, advanced counseling issues that pastors are going to face. You know, once you leave the classroom and immediately start caring for a church, you're going to deal with all sorts of issues and all sorts of problems, and to be able to have training that's so helpful to address these things from God's Word was very, very helpful to me. And then then I just think, too, about, you know, Faith Bible Seminary was a very desirable program, too, just from a cost perspective. You know, it's very affordable and uh, allowed me to have, again, graduate basically debt-free with three years of pastoral experience under my belt as a pastoral intern. And so for me, it was a no-brainer. So you were seeing biblical counseling principles fleshed out, whether it was as a seminary student continuing to participate in the counseling ministry or being involved in our community centers. So it wasn't a sterile academic environment alone. It was also, hey, I'm watching biblical counseling play out on a number of different ministry fields practically, and I'm involved in that as a seminary student. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of the appeals is everything you're learning in class immediately you can now apply in the local church. So the things I was learning about some advanced counseling issues immediately, you know, deal with a student, for example, who witnesses a a shooting, you know, Mm -hmm. and just the sort of the horrors of that event and being able to have the confidence in the Lord and in his word to address that issue where I would have never been as prepared had I not gone through that training in the local church at Faith Seminary. And then even to think about, you know, being able to start, you know, immediately sitting in on counseling sessions, you know, regularly. Rob Green was my ACBC fellow at the time, and to have that level of mentorship, and then to again to apply the things that I was learning from my ACBC time with Rob and in the seminary, immediately to discipleship of college students. Again, it was incredible. So let's pivot and talk now about 
the work that God has called you to do with international students here at Purdue. And as I mentioned in the introduction, I mean, we're so thankful that God has placed us in a town with a major Big Ten university. And there's so many different elements of that that are exciting. There's just all kinds of business development and collaborations between the university and research that just thrilling from around the world. So when you you have a world-class university, there's just all kinds of academic issues to be thankful for. And then, of course, there's the sports piece. And, you know, if you're going to live in this town, you better root for Purdue <laughs> or be quiet. <laughs> but um, but there are, there are all kinds of just thrilling, you know, how's the football team going to do this fall and the developments in the Big Ten Conference right now. I mean, you could talk about all that. But for us, when we think about Purdue, it's not that those other things don't matter, but f- far more important than that is the ministry opportunity, especially although we care about ministry to everybody who comes here, but especially with people from other countries. Can you just help our listeners understand a bit about what is the nature of international students at Purdue? Why, who, what? Just acquaint us with that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Purdue University is a well-known engineering school. It has many schools that are, you know, in the top 10 of public universities. So it attracts international students from all around the world. Purdue has one of the largest, as a public university, one of the largest international student populations. Every year, around 10,000 international students are coming to Purdue from a variety of nations. Over, usually over 120 or so nations are coming to Purdue. Some of the top 10 countries uh, that are at Purdue University are from countries that are largely unreached people groups. Yeah. Um, for example, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt. We have students from Indonesia and Malaysia. Bangladesh, different parts of India. So it's an incredible field where God is literally bringing the nations to mm-hmm. our very backyard. And we have the opportunity, especially while they're here, where they're separated many times from family, friends, cultural norms. They're put in a position many times where they have additional needs that they would not have otherwise in their country. And so it becomes a, a wonderful opportunity for missions, first to adorn the gospel of Christ as we meet pressing needs of internationals, and then have opportunities then to share the gospel with them. It's a great field, a great field of work. Well, and I know that some might hear a secular university and think, well, it's going to be very antagonistic to biblical truth and very antagonistic to the church. We certainly have many wide open doors of ministry at Purdue, don't we? Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, we have, you know, Purdue, especially many in the faculty and administration at very high levels. Some are Christians. Others are very supportive of the Christian community and especially want international students and the church and the community abroad to be welcoming these students, to be building relationships and friendships with them. You know, Purdue has an international friendship program that our church gets to partner with every year, and many in our church family will choose to sort of build a friendship with a student in the hopes that they can, again, share not only in their lives, but the gospel with them. But then we have opportunities at Purdue University Groups will allow us to be able to partner with them. For example, even this coming August, we're going to have several hundred students coming to Purdue who are Chinese, and we'll have several of those students in Christian homes for temporary housing Hmm. as they come to get set up for their classes. And it becomes, again, another opportunity really for missions, an opportunity for these students for the first time. Many are going to be meeting an American family for the first time coming to the U.S., and the first person that they're going to meet is a Christian who's having them in their home and building a relationship with them and then being available to help answer questions and issues that come up in life where it's at those intersections where biblical counseling really meets. Yeah, and, you know, that's 
a fascinating ministry opportunity because a number of our international students, they have to get to the U.S. before school starts. They have to have time to get their bank accounts set up and whatever paperwork needs to be put in place, getting a car, et cetera, et cetera. So they can't blow into town like many students from the U.S. a few days before classes start. They have to come early. The challenge is their housing may not be ready yet. And so there's that gap of sometimes a couple of weeks where they need housing. So the university actually partners with including faith-based communities in order to make that housing possible. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Can you talk to us about the segue between the work you're doing with international students and biblical counseling principles? How do they work together? Yeah, absolutely. In every area we see biblical counseling just related. When we think about evangelism, for example, many times, you know, you'll have a counselor who comes in who, who's not a Christian, but they have a problem in life. There's an issue, a presenting problem that they're coming with. And for many international students, it's very much the same. They feel comfortable to reach out to you sometimes, especially from your another different culture, to talk about a life issue, you know, maybe going on with their family, going on with their parents that they would not normally share with maybe their friends or mm-hmm. with others. And to be able to offer them, you know, we talk about key elements of biblical counseling, hope, you know, I recall an Indian student once who had significant challenges just with family when COVID had happened and was incredibly anxious and incredibly worried and, again, not a believer, but comes to you and feels comfortable enough to want to talk to you about his anxiety and his worry in regards to a family member mm-hmm. who's a doctor and ministering to people in COVID and having, again, struggles every day thinking about just his family. Mm-hmm. And where does biblical counseling meet in that moment? Well. It's asking questions and showing care and understanding what's going on, what are his fears, what are his desires, and then having the opportunity to say and offer, uh, could I share with you what what God's Word would say about that issue and how a Christian can have hope in all sorts of circumstances, and then to be able to open up to a passage like Matthew and be able to walk in chapter 6 and think about the issue of worry and to be able to point them to, again, a God who cares, a God who is their creator, a God who sustains all things, again, is not from a believer, but begins to understand a view of God that he's, is very different than what he was used to, mm-hmm. and to see how God's Word speaks to a specific struggle and issue that's sufficient for life, like the topic of worry in this case. That's an opportunity, again, to point to Christ, opportunity to share the hope of what the gospel offers us in Christ. But then you think about not only in for more, more evangelistic opportunity like that, to how biblical counseling relates to maybe somebody who is a believer and especially is dealing with issues. For example, many of our international students will come from family backgrounds that are, are not Christian. Their parents are not believers. And so many times there's significant sin issues, whether or not they sometimes they were sinned against in significant ways Mm, and have never had any sort of hope or truth for how does my view of the world describe what happened to me? Why is it? What are the consequences of it? How does God's Word help me grow and change in response to the sin that was done against me? What hope does the gospel hold out for the future for my life? 
these are very important questions. And so we have the opportunity, for example, to come alongside families struggling, you know, again, with raising children is a common issue. Again, of a, we often talk about a child-centered home, and that tends to be, can be a common temptation in every culture. And so we'll have international students who are coming to Purdue, and that's often an area we're going to deal with in biblical counseling. Suicide is another common struggle that international students will face, being more isolated from family and friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times they were the smartest fish in the pond where they mm-hmm. came from, yeah. and they come to Purdue University and they find that that idol of being the best and being the most successful student uh, just gets destroyed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in those moments of where... We see God sometimes humble the proud, and then we have the opportunity to speak the hope of the gospel to those students and help them to grow and change in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord. And so those are a variety of some of the issues that the biblical counseling especially meets right at where internationals are struggling. Mm. So from your perspective, if you were talking to a church that was located either near a university or maybe even just a community college, and that church wanted to have a greater impact on the campus, would your counsel to them be start a counseling center? Absolutely. You know, because again, starting a counseling ministry, now it provides an opportunity for your people to be equipped to minister the word. Mm -hmm. And the needs, especially for a college community, are immense. So for example, Purdue has its own counseling program, Mm -hmm. uh, CAPS, and they always have more needs for students than they can possibly staff uh, from trained counselors. Mm -hmm. And and again, many of these are secular counseling background. And so oftentimes we'll even get referrals to our counseling ministry from Purdue as they usually give a waiver of what types of counseling opportunities are you interested in. There's a number of students who will say, I want specifically faith-based counseling. Isn't that interesting? You know, and, and so to be a church in the position where you're known in the community to provide faith-based counseling, sometimes you're going to be reached out to to mm-hmm. provide counseling for these individuals that the university itself may not be able to meet. So, uh, you know, there's that benefit, but then there's the practical benefit as the needs of these students uh, are immense. And I alone, I feel it every day, I can't meet all the needs. Mm-hmm. And so it really pushes you as a pastor to equip the saints uh, mm-hmm. for the work of the ministry. And a counseling ministry in your local church is a, just a practical way of doing that. It's providing very specific training that's equipping the saints to minister the Word of God for all of life's problems as individuals encounter. And so then as you're ministering to college students and needs arise, your people are going to be well-equipped to be able to meet those college students with the current needs, the issues that they're going through, the questions that they have. Mm -hmm. And so I would highly advise it. I would think, too, that being involved in biblical counseling would help you as you're teaching international students in whether we're talking about a small group or a Bible study, a Sunday school lesson, whatever it might be, the more aware you are of needs and biblical truth that can address those needs, the more practical your teaching is going to become. Yeah, absolutely. One of the especially things that I take away from biblical counseling is we often talk about gathering data, the importance of asking good questions to draw out the heart. And especially as it relates to international ministry and the ministry of the Word, it's easy for us many times to assume all sorts of things about international students. You often hear things like, people from China are like X. People from the Middle East believe X. Mm. And the more you are counseling international students, spending time with them, asking them about life's questions, you start to actually see 
sometimes those assumptions made those generalizations can be true, but many times they're not. Mm. And so the the desires, for example, of what might be something a parent struggle with, what they idolize, what they live for that can characterize a culture or generation can be very different than what an individual student, how they think of the world, how they think about life, how, what they value. And that becomes a, a great opportunity then to really, in my teaching, to connect to the specific struggles, the specific desires, the specific idols that are among the different international students. And there's such a variety. Mm. And so it leads to very specific application then too in my teaching for what that looks like in right. their context and in their culture with the sufficient Word of God. Powerful. I appreciate that. Let's switch a little bit more to talk about what we would typically think of as foreign missions. One of the things that I love about Bible-believing churches, which any of them that I've ever been a part of, have always had a concern for worldwide evangelism. And that's not just something that these churches talk about. They dedicate a percentage of their budget year after year after year to trying to spread the gospel around the world. These are the kind of people who get together and pray for missionaries. They're the kind of people who know missionaries and have relationships with them. And so many, many Bible-believing churches are missions-minded churches, and mm-hmm. I'm glad for that. I'm yeah, very, man. very glad for that, because I think it mirrors the character of our God as simply as John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And many, many Bible-believing churches love the world as well. But what is the connection between the work that you are doing with foreign missions and biblical counseling principles? How does that fit together, and how can biblical counseling training and principles enhance a church's ability to do worldwide evangelism? Yeah, absolutely. First, I think especially biblical counseling and its importance for churches in the sending process, Mm -hmm. so for the preparation of missionaries for the mission field. You know, we believe that the local church is central for the care and the propagation of the gospel through missionaries around the world. And so part of the challenge for many churches, especially in using agencies, etc., is the missionary care piece, preparing the missionary for the field so that they're spiritually prepared well. And biblical counseling is so applicable in that area, Mm. helping a missionary be able to apply the Word of God to grow progressively in their sanctification in their own personal life so that they're equipped to do that when they're away from you at Mm. your local church and they're serving on the field, to be able to apply those principles in their marriage and to be able to apply it in their ministry to their children. You know, one of the greatest attrition rates, again, for missionaries is often challenges within the family, in the marriage, with the kids. And so as a local church, part of our responsibility is our care for our missionaries, the spiritual care, the spiritual well-being for them. If our church is growing and applying biblical counseling principles in the whole of the church, the missionaries that we're going to be sending out are going to be better equipped and better able to deal with the issues that they're going to face on the field spiritually in their own personal life and in their family. And many times the emphasis first goes on to the culture and on to, you know, training to in the languages, et cetera, of the culture. We have to emphasize, too, just the spiritual health and growth and godliness for missionaries is central. And so if you're establishing a, a counseling ministry and your church is growing in counseling, your missionaries, I think, are going to have a level of maturity for the field. That, yeah. That's a huge blessing. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. I think you've dispelled a myth, if it does in fact exist, that 
the counseling room, that's on one side of the church, and the international student ministry or the foreign evangelism ministries, that's on the other side of the church, and never the two shall meet. Mm -hmm. And really what you're saying is there's a very synergistic relationship between these two disciplines that can help us be more effective at accomplishing the Great Commission. Amen. Well, thank you very much for your time, and thanks for your heart for people from around the world. It's had a tremendous impact on our church, and we continue to see how that unfolds. Praise God. Thank you for the time. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org, or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org slash conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, and you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.